Okay. Um, I take it that we are live. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, I got to get used to this 5.30 time. I know. Well, you mean five o'clock time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm so not used to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, we got a lot to jam pack in today's 30 minute episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, without further ado, go ahead and cue that intro for us. Right. What is up, everybody? I am Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, and all things galactic. Give it up for none other than the wonderful. It's Jalen GC in the place to be. What does it, cousins, on this fine Tuesday evening? Indeed it is. And welcome to Executive Education, where, as you know, it's like, of course, we talk about investing. We talk about, you know, markets and all this other stuff here at the Come Up Series. But we like to give it another extra twist, taking it to a whole nother level which is giving you that type of conversation, you know, raising it up as JoLynn would do, uh, where these are the types of conversations that executives, chief level officers, and anybody in between, these are the types of conversations that they have. So we would feel remiss here at the Come Up Series if we didn't bestow it upon you. Some of the things that you may know, some of the things that you may not know, and some of the things you're going to be like, oh, wow, just completely mind blown. And that's great. So if you haven't done some of the ordinary stuff, like if you don't know how we do, go ahead and smash that like button first. And on top of that, make sure you have that bell turned on. So that way you could be like, who was it, Jolyn? Who was it? Who was it? Who was first in the chat today? We had Lady in Moi. She says, greetings, cousins. And we salute you because you had your notification bell turned on. And it was actually interesting. Because as soon as I had like literally released like the actual live mm-hmm. ready on it, like finger on the button, she, she's just like, look, I ain't going to let this come to pass. All right. So we salute you. And if you want to be saluted on our next show, go ahead and make sure that you have your bell turned on. All right. And on top of that, if you want to check out some of the other cool content that we have here, because think about the type of shows that we have. We have Monday Night Take with Lawrence and uh, Tiara. Then on top of that, of course, you have, you know, your faves, Jolyn and Mark here, you know, you know, kicking it. But, you know, let us not toot our own horn. But then on top of that, we got Abby and Chris with the red line coming in tomorrow. And then on top of that, we got Mark and Mo coming through for Hot Take Thursday. So this should be barely interesting as well as Money Market Truth. So there's a lot going on and you never know what else is coming down the pipeline because we do got some things in the works. So like we've been very busy, though, that we've been very silent. So, you know, just hold on. We get a lot of DMs from you guys asking us for specific content and specific subjects. Mm-hmm. We're getting to them. We're, we're definitely getting to them. All right. So, um, Jolynn. Yes. 
Are you ready to talk a little sustainability in the room here? Hey, you know, just just a little intro or whatever. Just, just, you know, just there's a lot to cover. So, you know, just a little, a little, a little snack. It, it's just a splash. It's just a splash. So, you know, okay. So I've got a challenge uh, to literally try to knock this out and make sure that it's, you know, give the edification to the people within 30 minutes. So right. I think we can knock this out. You know, do you think so? I think so. I think All right. So. Well, you know what? Well, you know, let me get this sip of water. Oh, yeah, I'm glad. Glad you said something. Your water's more fancier than mine is today. Today I'm well, in the today I'm in the trenches. <laughs> you know, I have that good uh, crushed ice going on. So okay, all right, okay, all right. Well, let's do it. All right. So make sure that each and every single one of you have pen and paper ready at home. If you're watching us from Twitter, if you're watching us from YouTube, or if you're watching us from our friends over there at LinkedIn, we salute all of you. Thank you for joining us this evening. All right. So let's uh, fire up that presentation, shall we? Can we fire that up? I think we have it. All right. So introduction to ESG, but you know, it's like, we ain't going to just give you all no intro. Now this is going to be a two-part series. So today we're going to get into some of the introductory stuff, but you know, you know how I do when it comes to introductory. Sometimes my introductory is a little bit more uh, not so introductory, but uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. So introduction to ESG. So, you know, let's get to the stuff that we're going to talk about today first. So today is all about the understanding part. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the prioritization of it. So that way you can get, get a, a full spill of it and really take the time to like literally let the first part digest. So we're going to talk about what is ESG. We're going to talk about ESG versus responsible investment. And then on top of that, we're going to talk about why is ESG important. I think that these are three solid points that we can probably get to this evening for everybody to understand. Now, if you've been following along with what I've been talking about, whether it's consumer behavior, consumerism, or consumer engineering, and then also financial analysis, all those things that I've done within executive education alongside with JoLynn, this is actually leading to the step because a lot of people have been asking us, okay, hey, well, what are some of the, what are some of the next edition SIPs that we're going to be bringing to the stage? Right. Well, you know, this will kind of give you an idea of how to look for your actually your own SIPs. And a part of that is this is the next frontier that a lot of folks don't talk about, but they should be talking about because over the next five years, we'll probably start seeing some of those impacts really start to solidify. And I'll show you some examples in today's show. And then on top of that, over the next 10, 20 years, you're going to see a consistent you're going to start seeing consistent changes as it pertains to market leadership based upon ESG. So I really am excited about what is it that we can provide to you guys today. So without further ado and all the pomp and circumstance, let's get into it. Like for example, number one, what is ESG? Now, (laughs) I think this is the first thing that we can look at and say, all right, well, you know, what is ESG? Like, you know, what is its purpose? What is its function? Like, why should, you know, why why does this have impact in our lives? Well, of course, to break it down simply, uh, the, it's broken into the, an act. It's really three letters. Um, one is E, environmental. Two is, or the S is social. And the G is governance. And we're going to get into those actually right now. For example, what is the basic structure of environmental social governance? Well, it's a generic term used by investors to refer to the factors that can affect a company's ability to create long-term value. It also refers to intangible assets. So if you really think about it on one side, it's really how is it that we relook and how is it that we rethink things as it pertains to how businesses function. But then at the same token, it also looks at how we see how we how we look at it 
and how we operate and how does it build things that become assets over time. So that's some of the cool things in which that we have. We just had Butter j- jump up on the couch to join us. So apparently he's very much so interested in the subject. CSG. I know, right? All right. So let's break it down real quick. When we think about environmental, we think about things like what? Pollution, mm-hmm. biodiversity loss, climate change, which I'm probably sure that everybody's witnessing it. You know, how is it possible to literally have an incomplete winter storm in Texas where snow completely takes over uh, Texas, uh, deforestation, resource depletion. So you're starting to see a lot of that start to transpire. And then of course, waste management. What is it that we do with waste? So, you know, like for example, where we once upon a time used to have, you know, oil companies dump their oil into the water, which would ultimately contaminate and ultimately kill off livestock and everything else. They've gotten a, a lot better at the, in that process. Now is, have they completely finished the mission? Absolutely not. There's still a lot more work to do. All right. So then we get into the social part. So then we have human rights, child labor, product safety, product mis-selling, which is interesting, like, you know, mis- misleading and everything else not being transparent there, labor standards and employee relations. So that literally sums up your social part. And then when we look at the governance, exactly how is it that the company or how is it that your, your organization is actually governed? How do they operate? And we look at those things, like, for example, the, the general stuff, the traditional stuff, right? The accounting, how a board is uh, like the board composition. Then we look at things like such as bribery and corruption. Uh, like, for example, a lot of companies get really dinged on that because of the fact of, you know, all their lobbying that they've been pay that they've been paying off, whether it's politicians. Notice how you're starting to see a lot more folks being scrutinized by having co- corporations sponsoring or corporate back sco- uh, sponsored politicians. That's been highly scrutinized. And a part of that is because of governance, which is with an ESG. Executive pay. Remember how we saw that Google or Alphabet was laying off X amount of people, but yet their their CEO was highly scrutinized because his salary was still ridiculously high, including his bonuses. And then, of course, we got things like tax avoidance and shareholders rights. So there's a lot that literally ties up into each and every single one of these scenarios, into each and every single one of these categories. But altogether, if done correctly, and there are companies that are doing a lot of these things very, like very much so correct. And you can see the you can see the results of them, which we'll get into in a second um, of what it looks like for to see a company that is completely stable and completely ESG compliant or say, for example, leading the charge within ESG. Um, And if you guys can just to interact with us, I just want to get an idea of what everybody thinks ahead of time. So if you can in the chat, I want you guys to probably list just list a company that you think that is at the top of the list when it comes to ESG. Now, for those out there, since, you know, this is an honors code, you know, try not to use Google University and try to just like, you know, give us your best shot as it pertains to your best guess. Yeah. And we've talked about some of these companies before. So We have. Some of them we've talked about at nausea. So, all right. So, okay. So we're going to, we're going to wait to see some of those responses come into play. Now, of course, there's a, like, this is one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's these, right? Where it's seven, it's the 17 sustainable goals or what we like to call SDGs. So, and SDGs are pretty much like, you know, what are the things in which that we look at as it pertains to being able to define a company as sustainable? So there's 17 of them. So there's, you know, let's, let's just name a few. Like, for example, we got good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality, uh, reduced inequalities. Uh, let's see, responsible consumption and production, climate action, uh, industry innovation and infrastructure. So innovation does play a role when it comes to ESG, believe it or not. 
uh, life on land, partnership for the uh, partnerships for the goals. So are they meeting those things? Decent work and economic growth. Interesting how economics can also play a role into this uh, as it pertains to ESG as well. Well, what's interesting about this, Mark, this is the United Nations 17 goals mm-hmm. that was published a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just as an individual person, when you're thinking about what it is, what your contribution in the world is going to be, sometimes you can start here and look at, um, if you go to the UN side and look these up or just Google, you know, the 17 sustainable development goals, you look at this and then um, they break it down and give real world examples of what companies and organizations are doing to meet these goals. Um, and so there's subcategories underneath each of these kind of broader. Yes, they are. And it could really help you figure out like, OK, the things that you're interested in, like what's going to be your contribution, what's going to be your purpose. Um, and there are also um, there's like a social component. So there's groups that you can connect with yep. that are also doing this, these same things. So it's also a good way to um, really get involved with what is going on in the world and think outside of yourself and then also contribute to the sustainability of the globe, basically. That's a fact. All right. So let's 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 dive a little bit deeper in it, shall we, Jolene? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's look at it because this is where the key crux of a lot of our conversation is built upon today. So, you know, don't don't worry. I'm going to read it for folks in whom much that will probably be listening to this via podcast. So that way they're not left behind either. So when we think about it, we have like really the four pillars of RI, which we're going to get into in a second. But it's pretty much ESG is incorporated into responsible investment. I mean, that's really a major pillar as it pertains to what transpires. Um, So when we look at it, it's built upon four key pillars, which is ESG issues, uh, active ownership, transparency, construction, constructive management. Now, let's let's break these down real quick, shall we? Now, I mean, when we think about it as it pertains to like the responsible investment, we say it's an approach to managing assets that sees investors uh, or that sees how investors include ESG factors in their decision making process. Uh, whether it's A, uh, uh, what to invest in, B, the role uh, they play as owners and creditors uh, for the long-term sustainable returns. So, but let's let's get a little bit deeper into it, shall we? So, for example, when we look at, for example, the ESG issues. So, these issues uh, encompass a wide range of topics, including climate change, labor practices, diversity and inclusion, which you guys probably hear about DNI, DNI a lot. Uh, board independence, uh, as well as executive compensation, compensation, and much more. Um, so those are like pretty much the, the the broad spectrum of the issues when we look at it within the ESG standpoint, right? But then we get a little bit deeper, right? We start looking at things like active ownership, and when we look at active ownership, that's the proactive involvement of investors in influencing the behavior and decisions of the companies they invest in. So, for example, when you start seeing about when you start seeing activist investors join boards or when they start making like, you know, large amount, large investments. So, for example, normally when you see a group or an entity that normally takes about what is it, a nine to 10 percent holding within a publicly traded company, nine times out of 10, they're going to be stepping in to probably make some type of wave or some type of noise or some type of action or change within the company. I mean, we've seen this happen with oil companies where they brought on activists, uh, share, where they had activist board members that now changed the entire la- landscape 
of the overall company. And that's where active ownership really comes into play. All right. So which leads us into the next piece, which is transparency, right? Mm -hmm. So and transparency is simply the extent of to which companies disclose relevant information. So about their ESG practices, their policies and their performance. It's kind of like, you know, if like when we hear about, you know, their report card every quarter where they say, okay, hey, this is what we did. This is how much revenue we brought in. It's that type of transparency reporting. But we go a lot deeper. So, for example, what are the goals that you're trying to accomplish? You know, are you trying to become more sustainable? Are you trying to become more net? Are you trying to get net neutral or net positive? Which means that you're trying not to be, you're trying to get to a place where you're not so heavily going into the earth on the environmental side, but more so using the materials that are around you and you're transparently reporting these things. Um, and normally you typically see these things. I challenge everybody today, you know, after today's show, check out like the impact uh, reports or the sustainable or social impact reports. A lot of uh, companies now that are publicly traded, if you go to their investor relations uh, side of their of their website, you now will start to see those things. And even in tech companies, you even hear about them in reporting, which I'll get to in a second. And then we have constructive enga engagement. So the collaborative and dialogue-based approach taken by investors to encourage positive change in companies. So now, at, like literally, investors are now starting to have more of a sway it's not just okay hey just within like it's not just our voices but it's also the fact that now we have the power to like move companies with our dollars no. and so go ahead no go ahead finish your thoughts no because I, I, I think you're i think you're gonna nail it i think you're gonna go right into it go for it oh so i wanted to bring up like who um from the chat the companies that they're throwing out there for esg policy so we got apple tesla yep. costco microsoft texas instrument and deer mm-hmm so those are some pretty solid companies. And yeah, they're all making some significant strides within their ESG goals. One of them completely leads the pack, which we'll get into. But let's let's dive a little bit deeper within these four pillars real quick, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think of active ownership, and we already talked about it as it pertains to the like, you know, companies being proactive and everything else, like their involvement as investors, influencing the behavior and decisions of the companies. So, you know, typically you see that within shareholder voting on shareholder resolutions. So like if you listen to an earnings call or a share or if you ever listen to a shareholder meeting, this is where they really like, you know, they take advantage and they really start to like set in with the questions in which that they ask that they hold the chief level uh, officers accountable as it pertains to within their leadership. And of course, the like, you know, really just continuing the dialogue of specific issues so that way essentially it's like you're you're kind of like holding their feet to the fire when we look at esg issues right because of course we talked about it from the wide encompassing issues of it but it's like really the simplest part is is, is again when we look at exactly those those key fundamentals that we talked about earlier of those of those main pieces of environmental social and governance um, when we look at the transparency part, we talked about it as it pertains to how it's disclosed and everything else. But the transparent reporting allows stakeholders, including investors, to assess a company's ESG risks and opportunities, enabling informed decisions making uh, like, you know, as it pertains to more accountability. So those are those are major parts there. And then when we think about constructive engagement, you know, where we said that it refers to collaboration and everything else, it involves an open and respectful communication between investors and company management. That's one. And then, of course, the second part is addressing the concerns, sharing insights and working together to improve like the overall uh, sustainability and performance. So 
those are the things in which that if you see companies that are doing well in that, then essentially nine times out of 10, you know, where you see companies making great strides there, there you see dollars also follow, which leads me to a major company. How does this company become one of the most valuable companies in the entire market? And let's talk about it, shall we? Yeah. Let's talk about our good old friends over there at Apple, over there in Cupertino. So when we look at Apple, and I'll blow this up so that way people can like literally have the full-fledged uh, screen here to look at it just in case they want to take notes as well. All right, so when we think about Apple shareholders, right, uh, they have actively engaged, uh, Apple's shareholders have actively engaged the company on, on various ESG issues. For example, in 2018, a group of institutional investors collectively manage, uh, managing over $10 trillion in assets urged Apple to address the potential negative impact of excessive, of excessive smartphone use on children's mental health. As a result, Apple took the steps to enhance parental controls and introduce features to help users manage screen time. So when you think about like a feature that Apple has like now really like talked about very heavily, where it's like a, now a lot of parents utilize it, this was formulated strictly directly from ESG that was brought by other shareholders that brought in like that, that were able to move financial muscle and were able to say, okay, hey, Apple, these things, these issues matter to us. If you are going to address these issues, then this is something that would get us excited in investing more and more into Apple because of the fact of its impact. If not, then we'll probably take our dollars elsewhere. So that's one of the major things that we look at as it pertains to active ownership. So that is an example of what you would see for active ownership. Now, again, as a result, like I said, that they took the steps for screen time. But what were some of the ESG issues, though? Like, for example, Apple addresses a range of issues regarding environmental factors. If you ever look at, like, for example, when they uh, release a new product, have you ever noticed that they talk more about the sustainability mm -hmm. as it pertains to its recycled? Now it's like we're getting to a place where probably 100% of Apple iPhones or Apple devices will be made by materials that they've already recycled without having to go further into the earth. Well, that's that's amazing because it has such a high impact, right? But yet at the same token, like everybody's like, yeah, Mark, we get it. Go Go green and everything else. No, no, no. But think about the amount of dollars also that Apple saves within that process without having to go through the mining process and everything else. To be able to sustainably recycle those products, they're able to save significant amounts of costs. And in saving a significant amount of that cost, they're increasing their profit margins or keeping their profit margins stable. Like, for example, in a high inflation environment, don't worry, I'll wait. How is it possible that Apple didn't raise its price of its iPhone when everybody expected it to raise its price of its iPhone? How come they didn't? Because they had the pricing power and everything else and the infrastructure already set in place where they weren't as heavily impacted, which is another thing economically. Because when you do it the right way and when you handle it within an ESG format, then essentially now it's like, okay, hey, you're not going to be impacted as heavily due to economic swings. And that's one of the things that where Apple really has a strong foothold. So yeah. when we think about it, like reducing its carbon footprint, the transition to renewable energy. So like, for example, you're going to start seeing more corporate offices using water cooling versus like, you know, you know, consistently using tapping the grid. Those are major pieces. And Apple prioritizes that even within their supply chain. If they notice that there's issues within the supply chain, even if it's like child labor or anything like that they immediately jump on and literally just nip it in the bud. You know what's cool about all this though, Mark, is like you'll notice the trends of all of like the marketing buzzwords of like go green and all mm -hmm. that. 
But mm -hmm. within um, the ESG context, it's directly tied to dollars. Yep. So if it doesn't make, quote unquote, you know, ESG sense, it's not ESG. There has to be some other for when we think of it in the context of like investing, there mm -hmm. has to be some tie to the bottom line. And yep. those so those buzzwords really don't matter at all, like going green or, you know, eco friendly. That's just for the those are the words for the consumers. But when we're talking about the words for the investors. It has to translate to dollars. And Apple has done a good job of that as illustrated by the inflation example you just gave. Exactly. And there's so many other things in which they do, like, for example, within their transparency. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, they work with NGOs across the board. Uh, so like as it pertains to collaboration uh, to improve working conditions in the supply chain. So like when we hear about things that happen in China, like Apple's immediately there, like, hey, we ain't going to wait. Nah, we, we're there. Um, and so it's, it's just a matter of how is it that they address those types of concerns. And they've been pretty much the poster child of essentially how is it how it should be. Oh, uh, another thing, Mark, you just made me remember this. Um, yeah. So, OK, you know, like at the height of 2020, when there was, um, you know, all the Black Lives Matter, um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. corporate bandwagoning, all that. You can tell if a company, this is, I mean, it's kind of messed up, but you can tell if a company is really serious about those um, types of issues when it ties somehow to money. If it doesn't tie to money, then they're not serious. They're playing in your face. Exactly. So that's something to um, take into consideration because they'll have to justify it to their shareholders. Yep. So they're able to say, hey, look, you know, I know we're out here on this activist front. However, being here, you know, translates to X amount of dollars or an increase in the profit margin or whatever, then you know they're serious about it. And it's it's kind of messed up that it's like that. But at the same time, it's a it good is what way it is. No, yeah. If they're really serious about it. Yeah. So let's talk about this next slide, shall we? Yeah. All right. So like where we talk about RI, like because a lot of folks are like, well, you know, responsible investment is going to literally completely, you know, reach is going to literally knock out traditional. And that's not true. So when we look at it as it pertains to the traditional way, as it pertains to business, we have the traditional pieces of financial analysis of how we how we analyze companies financially. And then also how is it that portfolios are also constructed? Um, those things don't change. If you think about it, Financial analysis plus construction management uh, plus portfolio construction in the traditional sense equals responsible investment. So those two things literally help literally piece those things together. So I, I, I drew a nice little diagram. Please don't, you know, oh please don't kill me on my diagram. Oh and this is where we're going to get into the key crux of it. But, you know, hopefully everybody is able to follow along. Uh, so please don't knock my handwriting. I actually drew on this for everybody. Um, all right, so let's look at it, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. All right, so it's just a simple thing of responsible investment is different from sustainable and impact investing. Okay. So I drew a chart for you guys, which is over here, over in the bottom left, we have the low. And then, of course, to the far right and to the up, upper left, we have high. Now, to the vertical, we have financial returns. And then to the horizontal, which is on the x-axis, we have level of impact. So over, so the, the financial returns over the level of impact, just to keep it simple. So when we think about financial only, the financial returns are very high, but its impact is ridiculously low, right? But then when we think about impact only, yeah, their level of impact is extremely high, but their financial returns are extremely low. 
Now, when we look at responsible investment, though, the impact is getting there. It's 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 still the major building block. Um, but yet at the same token, it's it's financial returns are very much so high. So when you look at like a company like Apple, they would probably fall or probably even be a mixture between responsible, sustainable and impact investment all combined. Now, some folks, they literally focus on responsible investment. Some folks focus on sustainable and then others focus on uh, impact investment. And as you look at it across the board, whenever you hear about these things within reporting or when you look at it, like the when you look at like the high level of impact, then, you know, when like those are going to be organizations that are highly mission focused and they're like, OK, hey, we're going to like literally sacrifice on mission versus essentially the financial return or the, over the financial gain. So we care more about the actual impacts versus the financial gain itself. And a lot of times you'll find that within, like, for example, your nonprofit organizations, right? So that's normally where you'll find them. Whereas the financial only on the that's more so found in like financial returns that they focus on will probably be your for profit. So on one side, you got for profit and the other side, you have nonprofit. So in, in between, you have, you know, those in whom which that either get that that read and understood the assignment and then the folks in whom which that, you know, possibly didn't understand the assignment or just just didn't decide to do it at all. So when we look at it as it pertains to that, like there's not one that's greater than the other. I mean, it just it's just a matter of where your company's focus is and what is it that you're doing on a level of impact and also how is it and, and how is it that you're positioned. Um, but there's another company that I that we normally don't talk about that essentially that we can use as an example for this that can really help paint the picture for folks. Okay. Let's talk about a company called Unilever. So they are a multinational uh, consumer goods company known for its commitment to sustainability and responsible business practices. The company has set ambitious environmental targets such as reducing its carbon footprint and water usage, promoting sustainable sourcing and minimizing waste. Unilever also focuses on social issues by supporting gender equality, fair labor practices, and community engagement. So through a sustainable living plan, which that's something that if you get the chance, just you know, Google it, Unilever uh, sustainable living plan, and ongoing efforts, Unilever exemplifies responsible investment by integrating ESG considerations into its business strategy. Uh, and that's just pretty much demonstrated by that the sustainability and profitability can go hand in hand. So when we look at it uh, from this standpoint, when we look at environmental, just to keep it simple for everybody, for Unilever, they the goal is to achieve zero non-hazardous waste to landfills, reduce greenhouse gas emissions and water usage and waste. Right. You know, those are in waste generation. When we look at it on, say, for example, the social side, promote gender equality, all those and, and all those different types of practices through specific initiatives. Like, for example, they have a one called the I think it's the Unstereotype Alliance and programs for hygiene, education and sustainable agriculture. Um, and then, of course, we have the sustainable sourcing, which is contributed to reducing deforestation, protecting biodiversity and ensuring fair trade practices. Uh, setting example for responsible sourcing in the industry. And then, of course, consumer influence, gain in consumer loyalty through sustainability commitments, raising awareness and empowering consumers to make responsible choices. I mean, these are these are all the things that when you make significant investments to improve the quality of your the, the quality of the lives of your customer or the quality of the experience of your customer mm -hmm. um then those things will like for example like what we just use with apple 
you know, the reason why people buy Apple products is because of the fact that they know it's a premium product. And, and the reason why it's a premium product is because the company spends a great amount of time to craft such a product and take the necessary time to get it right. They don't always have to be the first, but when they do it, they do it right. And the same thing is held for Unilever. When they do it, they're going to do it right for their consumer base. And that's the focus, because when you do that, I mean, the stock is up currently like year to date, 3% in an arena where it's like, okay, hey, it's probably not their shining year. But I mean, whereas maybe some of their peers in the industry will probably be struggling this year, they're still at a positive. And of course, yes, they are a British company. Um, so again, like these are the things in which that we look at as it pertains to like the ESG footprints. Now, many of you guys are sitting back and saying, all right, Mark, I've heard all of this. It you sounds good. <laughs> Why the hell is this important? <laughs> So the ESG factors are critically important, both financially and economically. So just to, I'll read it for the folks back at home and then I'll, I'll, I'll break it down for folks. Um, so when we think about financially and economically, they help companies manage risk, uh, improve operational efficiency, uh, access capital, enhance long-term sustainability and contribute to economic resilience. By addressing environmental and social and governance, challenges, companies can drive financial performance, meet stakeholder expectations, and positively impact economic well-being. So let's go a little bit deeper into that on the finance side, shall we? Mm -hmm. So the ESG, like on the finance fact, on the finance side, you know, ESG factors are crucially uh, crucial financially as they help companies manage risk, improve operational, and all those other things, right? By addressing the environmental, like the ESG, the, the main ESG points. But this can also help them, like like we said, mitigate risks uh, that can impact financial performance. Uh, sustainable practices can reduce costs, improve profitability, which we've seen from companies like Apple and Unilever, and attract investment from ESG-focused investors. See, it's like the investor, the mind of the investor, the market itself is changing. What we once thought about considerably on the traditional side it's evolving. We're like, think about like the, today's average consumer. Back then, it's like people bought things because of the fact that it was like, okay, hey, I, you know, this is a, a necessary need where it's like, okay, hey, I don't really care. It's like about all the, the background story. It just gets a job done for me. But now think about like how people buy things today, that the mind of the consumer today. Yeah, they're going to buy things out of necessity. We're not going to say that those things are going to absolutely leave. But let's say, for example, if you knew that, say, for example, that this company, you know, doesn't care about you when they like literally put in a bunch of products and everything else or a bunch of hazardous materials into the product that you are going to place on your body, you're probably going to rethink whether or not you're going to actually buy that product or go buy something else that's more sustainable more environmentally friendly, more eco-friendly, as well as something that's healthier. You know, these are the types of things that can literally have impact on a company. Now, when we think about the economics behind this, like the ESG factors are important because economically, as they contribute to long-term sustainability, right? Like we got that part. By embracing sustainable practices and addressing environmental and social challenges, companies can enhance their competitiveness, one, their reputation and brand value. This allows them to meet stakeholder expectations regarding ESG issues that lead to increased customer loyalty, one, employee satisfaction, two, and overall economic well-being. Additionally, governments and regulatory bodies focus on ESG issues that reflect the growing recognition of their economic, um, their economic impact and the need for responsible and sustainable business practices. So you're asking me, Mark, like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like companies that have positioned themselves very well on the financial standpoint, we know them, right? We, we've seen them a, a dime in a dozen. 
but the companies that do even exceedingly better are the ones that are not only able to do it well financially, but also on the sense of economically. So for example, even in an economic downturn, they're still outperforming, mm -hmm. still doing well because they made the necessary investments. And when they made those investments, they cut back on significant costs in certain areas, mm -hmm. in certain areas. But then on other areas, they essentially made those investments early on. And now those things are starting to pay off where it's like pretty much a fraction of the cost. And every like, so for example, even if it's at a fraction of the cost, right? Like let's, I'll, I'll throw in Tesla, for example. Tesla did things on an environmental standpoint, which was reinvesting into recycled rare earth materials versus consistently going out there to mine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whereas everybody else is still trying to mine for those materials, which set them back significantly as it pertains to getting their products to market, right? Well, since Tesla was already thinking ahead of time saying, okay, hey, yeah, we're going to spend the billions of dollars to get into the recycling side of the table. But then what happened? Now that they put that into their process, now it's much more easier for them to manufacture products and everything else and get to market a lot faster. And when you get to market faster, you make money faster. And, and think about it like this. We've seen Tesla cut costs on their products, mm -hmm. but, has it really, but, but has it really hurt the company? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the point. <laughs> and that's the point. That is, that is the point that I'm ultimately trying to make there. When you make the necessary investments today, like I said, over the next three, five, seven, 10 years, these companies are going to be probably juggernauts because of the fact that they're so positioned well. And the companies are now that are trying to struggle to get to that place or to try to implement those things. Yeah, it's going to be a struggle because now the cost of capital is higher. Uh, things are not probably the most economically, uh, they're not the, the best economic uh situations mm -hmm. and those things will hurt their bottom line now will they get better over time probably if they can weather the storm correctly if they can't then they'll probably fall to the wayside and they'll probably be an acquisition target right <laughs> <laughs> if they're lucky so that's just the first part of what we have for our esg presentation because you know so we got it we got there's so much more that we got to get into um but again this is really going to set the stage for essentially many of you as you look forward as at the future of your portfolio or how is it that you construct your portfolio this is going to be a major part that's going to play in not only just what we look at in the basics of fundamental analysis and technical analysis but now you have to add in a whole different part a whole different side to the table which is the ESG forefront. And I think that it's well worth it. I mean, well, as evidenced by these profit margins, I mean, that's <laughs> look no further. If you want to make money, you have to select the companies that are about, about this ESG life. I mean, there's no other way around it. That's a fact. That is a fact. Well, I mean, how did I do? I, I, I finished the presentation. We finished the presentation today or part one of it. Yeah. I mean, we, we did it. I mean, we have extra 12 minutes, you know, <laughs> That's not that's that's not bad. Not bad at all. Okay, so somebody asked a question in the chat saying, "How does the multinational tobacco company, which boasts a uh, scored uh, of an eighty four on its last ES uh, S and P Global ESG score, more than twice that of Tesla at thirty seven? So that's a good question because a lot of times we look at Tesla and we look at Tesla for its its environmental and we just like like one of the key things that we kind of find ourselves is in a position where many times we only look at the environmental standpoint but then there's a lot of other pieces that also go hand in hand right like mm -hmm. for example social like what's what's the social reading on Tesla like remember I was getting a lot of DMs about folks as it pertains to like, you know, people uh, experiencing racial discrimination or racism 
within Tesla factories. Like those things have to be rectified. They have to be acknowledged and then they have to be worked on. And then on top of that, they have to like literally be absolved. And then of course, the governance part. The governance part for Tesla, though that the company runs well, but yet at the same token, one of the things within government and, and the governance of Tesla is if something happens to Elon, then what happens to Tesla? Like that's one of the major running questions. Now, of course, they're working to absolve those things, but nobody is as outly public as, as public or as a polarizing figure mm-hmm. as the like one of the founders and CEO, which is Elon Musk. So that's going to be something that Tesla is going to have to rectify versus a lot of these other companies, like they have strong social and they have strong governance so that their environmental may be weak, but they're knocking two out of the three out of the park. So that's ultimately how they could probably be scoring a lot higher than, say, for example, Tesla. Now, of course, that's just S&P Global's ESG score. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's multiple different scores in which that we can look at. So, yeah, there is another question mark um, yeah. right underneath that. Uh, well, OK, so was that BlackRock? Yeah. So they're talking about um, it says BlackRock CEO thinks ESG has been too politicized when as far as to say he's quote unquote ashamed of being so closely connected and ESG may need a rebranding. So earlier we were talking about how mm-hmm. the buzzwords and the marketing words tend to like fall to the wayside if it's not attached to dollars. So companies that um, are focused on ESG, um, you know, what they'll what you'll notice in the earnings reports are they'll start to highlight the actual bottom line, like yep. this practice here resulted in X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so the people that are really invested in it, that's all they're going to care about. Yep. So everyone else out there in the political arena that's saying, oh, it's too, you know, woke or like whatever. Um, those people, they're just talking. They're just yeah. talking right now. It's it's just noise in a vacuum. Like it's not going to translate to, you know, less dollars because a company is seen as X, Y, and Z, not for in not for the real investor. I'm talking like big money institutional investors. And yes, BlackRock owns everything in the world, <laughs> pretty much, you know. Um, so there there is that. But again, we're not gonna know unless they start selling shares to indicate to put their money where their mouth is, then it's just noise. So that's what we get to pay attention to. And Mark, we might, I don't know, we might want to do an episode on um, BlackRock. Yeah, I mean, we can. I mean, you know, again, it's like you nailed a lot of the things on the head. It's like now we're getting into the place where it's like, okay, hey, like like anything else, right? We go through this phase one of things, uh, the phase one of the conversation, and ESG definitely went through its phase one. And now we're stepping into phase two, which is literally like, okay, hey, who's really doing the work? who's really making the impact. And then also at the same token, like how is that affecting their bottom line? Like you just said. And I think that we're moving into that phase, just like, you know, when we look at AI, right, everybody's just talking AI, 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 AI. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, the companies that are actually positioned well, that are doing the necessary work, they don't have to mention AI. They just have to like literally mention exactly what it is. And, you know, shout outs to MKBHG who actually did this. uh, Like he actually did a quite dope analysis on Apple Mm-hmm. Where he talked about like, okay, hey, during their last uh, announcement of products and everything else, they didn't even mention AI. Mm. They didn't mention that they mentioned AI zero times in their entire event. AI wasn't mentioned at all. And then another thing that they didn't mention was virtual reality, which was you know, a couple, slight little dig at, you know, probably meta. But, uh, <laughs> but they didn't mention these things. And instead, they mentioned the actual work and they actually mentioned other things. Now, another thing that what they did was they patented 
a lot of the other things that literally would surround the things that we would know of and they just coined them as different phrases so maybe that's something that we probably need to pay attention to but that's for a whole nother other day that's well again that goes to, that goes back to the branding and that brand does their patch if they have trademarked it and they patent this technology that goes back to the dollar back to the bottom line again so here we it are does. it always comes back to money look <laughs> you'll always come back to me <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that we got I think that we got the part one out of the way and we'll we'll be excited to share part two. We hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode and this may be a run it back or upon the replay, however you consider it. But definitely like take some notes to this or go back and reread your notes and then also analyze as it pertains to the companies that are within portfolio. Uh, it's very, very interesting. So again, you know, you know, yeah. Oh, and you know, she was first in the chat and then she came in and dropped in another one. She said, remember circa, uh, 2010 when that Apple factory installed nets so people couldn't delete themselves. (laughs) Tis true. Mm -hmm. They hired counselors after that. And I'll, and she also said, I'll see where that fits on the ESG spectrum. Well, that fits on the social side of things, definitely Mm -hmm. for sure. And then on top of that, the governance side, because of the fact that they're fast acting on related issues. So well done. Well done. See, look at that. A squad full of uh, scholars. Okay. I think you're trying to remove the comment. So <laughs> no, I didn't do anything. Okay. I don't oh, know. That's, that's <laughs> I'm sorry, Levick. I'm sorry, Levick. This is where it's like, I should have done hands up and just, you know, hey, shout out to Levick, our producer in the background, who does a lot of the work to make us look good. All right, y'all, thank you so much for rocking with us and enjoying today's episode. If you learned something, go ahead and smash that like button. If you're new and you learned something also, go ahead and subscribe because there's a ton of other content, a few great content, like we're just a few, a collective of content creators that just want to share information and knowledge with what we've learned or what is it that we know so that way you guys can use it in your everyday lives for the free. Uh, So if you like that, go ahead and subscribe, have the notification bell turned on and like. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe. And I'm Jalen GC in the place to be. And this has been Executive Education. Thank you all for joining us. And we will see you all next week. Be sure to watch The Red Line tomorrow with Abby and Chris. Peace, y'all. Yes.